the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So far, we've seen two truths about the third commandment. There is the prohibition against taking God's name in vain. There is the proper use of God's name. But there is a third and extremely significant truth to be understood, and that is the penalty for taking God's name in vain. Notice Exodus 20, verse 7 says at the end, The Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain, meaning by this that God will punish those who who take his name in vain. He's going to punish those who take his name in a meaningless, irreverent way. Now, you don't like it when anybody takes your name and uses it improperly. God doesn't like it when we take his name. For most people, this third commandment from God seems to be the most unimportant of them all. We might wonder, how can taking the Lord's name in vain be in the same list as murder, stealing, adultery, idol worship? We tend to question the significance of saying God's name in an inappropriate manner. Hello and welcome to another edition of Verse by Verse, As always, we are featuring the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff from Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our current study is part of a series of messages that Pastor Steve preached about the Ten Commandments. Most people living in the United States today know about the Ten Commandments, and some can even list a number of them. Yet very few recognize that all of these ancient commandments from God still have great importance to Christians. In this series of messages taken from Exodus chapter 20, Pastor Steve not only explains the meaning of each commandment, but he also demonstrates how each one has relevance to modern-day followers of Jesus Christ. Today we will be concluding his sermon on the third commandment, which says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is one commandment that is greatly ignored by those who claim to be Christians, So Pastor Steve's message is especially needed in today's Christian churches. Let's join him now as he teaches. Another way we can take God's name in vain is when we make lighthearted jokes about the Lord and lighthearted references to him. My friend Phil Johnson tells the story that upon returning from an Alaskan cruise with the ministry that he heads up, he was asked countless times if he had suffered for the Lord that week. And people were trying to be funny about it, and I understand that. And that may seem like a small thing, but we shouldn't even then be throwing God's name around, suffering for the Lord. Don't, don't speak of the Lord like that with any, without any real reverence for him. Even that would be in the spirit of violating this commandment. Listen, we can even use his name and take it in vain by living in a way that is inconsistent with his word. What do I mean by that? The word Christian, that's the Lord's name. He's the Christ. Christian means essentially to be a follower of Jesus in the class of Christ. But it's his name. And if you take that name that belongs to him and live in a way contrary to the ways of Christ, 
then you are guilty of using his name in an empty and meaningless fashion. Let me give you a guideline so you can avoid this. I think it's a good, helpful guideline in order to avoid taking God's name in vain. You ready? Don't use his name unless you are either talking to him in prayer or else speaking about him to others. Don't take his name unless you're either talking to him in prayer or speaking about him to others. And when you do speak to him in prayer, speak with reverence. Don't be so casual that that you're just going through the motions and you're not even thinking about who you're singing to, who you're speaking to, and who you're praying to. Think about it. When you come in here to worship and you sing a hymn of praise and it's talking about the Lord, think about it. Though you may have sung this song a hundred times, think about it. Otherwise, you violate this commandment. And secondly, when you, when you uh, do speak, or when you mention his name or one of his attributes to someone else, speak with him in mind. Speak with him in mind. Don't just say, oh my Lord, unless you're really thinking of the Lord. Otherwise, you're taking his name in vain. And if it's a habit you've gotten into, God can break that habit. Then substitute something else but don't take his name in vain. So the first truth about the third commandment is this. It's the prohibition against taking God's name in vain is don't do it in a lighthearted, trivial manner without reference to him and without reverence for him. There is the second truth about the third commandment is this. Not only the prohibition against taking God's name in vain, but the proper use of of God's name. Now, something that I have not mentioned up to this point, not really clarified, about how do you interpret the Ten Commandments, it's an important truth, and it would be fitting for you to know this. The Ten Commandments must not be interpreted in a a very narrow sense. By that, I mean that each of these commandments is intended to be broader than the negative way in which they are presented. In other words, each thou shalt not implies that there is a positive truth, some positive things that you should do. In other words, it's not just don't do this, but what should you do? For example, when he commands us, when he commands us not to lie, he also means that you should tell the truth. It isn't that you just shouldn't lie, but you ought to tell the truth. When he commands us not to commit adultery, he also means that we should be faithful to our spouse. So there, when there is a positive there's, rather, when there is a negative, there's going to be a positive as well, which will encompass all of Scripture. So don't take it just in a negative setting. And if the negative aspect of the third commandment is thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain, then the positive aspect of this commandment is to use God's name in a positive way. So how do we do that? How do we take God's name in a positive manner? Well, you know what? Jesus addressed this very issue One day, our Lord's disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John the Baptist has taught his disciples to pray. And what Christ gave them is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And a lot of people, there are people in many, many churches across the world who on a Sunday morning take it to be read that way. And and they say it almost, well, they say it in rote memory, but that's not the intent of the Lord's Prayer. The intent of the Lord's prayer was to give a pattern for God's children and how they should pray to their heavenly father. We are to learn principles from the Lord's prayer. 
This is not something that we just say these words and we've, we've uh, really obeyed in our prayer life. And Jesus taught that the first thing that a child of God should be conscious of doing when he prays is he should address the Father properly. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Lord didn't mean that that's, those, those are the exact words you say when you pray. What he did mean is this, that as God's children, we should come to him with an attitude of, Father, your name is holy. Your name is to be treated holy. In other words, God is always to be treated by us in a reverential way. When we speak of God, when we speak about him, it is always to be with the deepest of respect. We are to value his name as holy. That's what hallowed means, holy. That's what we do. Now, how do we cultivate this reverence for God and for his, his name? If, if all of your life or even your Christian life, you've, you've been rather trivial with God's name, how do you now change? Let me give you a suggestion. First of all, reflect on the majesty of his character. When you read the word of God, be looking for his character. Be looking for his attributes, his nature. What does the Bible reveal, for example, about his faithfulness? about his love, about his power, his sovereignty, his righteousness. Those are the attributes of God. And you need to search the scriptures to discover what God says about himself and what he's like. When you do that, there'll be a reverence in your heart for him. I might also add that I would urge you to read good books that focus on his various character qualities, such as Jerry Bridges' magnificent book, Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. It is perhaps the greatest book I have ever read outside of the Bible. If it's not the greatest, it's in the top five. Jerry Bridges wrote a book about the sovereignty of God. Is God really sovereign? Do accidents happen in the Christian life? Has God ordained everything? And not only is he sovereign, but is he loving and is he wise? wise? That's what that book is about. And every one of you should read that book. It is a magnificent book. And you can't help but come away from that book being in awe of God. You will never purposely, at least consciously, take his name in vain again after knowing what you will discover from that book about his sovereignty. Another book, which is really a classic, is Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Tozer was a pastor in Chicago. He wrote a number of books, and perhaps the best-known book is Knowledge of the Holy. It's about God's holiness, his character. And J.I. Packer, some years ago, wrote a book called Knowing God, which is a book on, really, systematic theology concerning the nature of God in terms that, that laymen can understand. It's a great book. See, when you understand the grandeur of God's character, you will not be flippant with his name. You you can't be. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if your heart is filled with reverence and awe for God, then you will only speak reverently about him. So so I urge you to to go beneath the surface in your study of the Bible and to to read books that are, are more than interesting novels. Get into some books that really deal with with some in-depth study of God's character. So far, we've seen two truths about the third commandment. There is the prohibition against taking God's name in vain. There is the proper use of God's name, but there is a third and extremely significant truth to be understood, and that is the penalty for taking God's name in vain. Notice Exodus 20, verse 7 says at the end, the Lord will not leave him unpunished, who takes his name in vain, meaning by this that God will punish those who, who take his name 
in vain. He's going to punish those who take his name in a meaningless, irreverent way. Now, you don't like it when anybody takes your name and uses it improperly. God doesn't like it when we take his name. Now, historically, the Jewish people have been afraid of taking God's name in vain. They have have looked at this commandment, and they have said, not only will we not take his name in vain, but we're not even going to pronounce his name. Do you know that? That has historically been the Jewish position about this. They decided years ago not even to pronounce God's special covenant name. I should say that. They'll take certain names of God, but not his covenant name, Yahweh. They, they will not do that. The I am that I am. I told you it's a, really a four-letter word without vowels. Vowels were added to it later on, and we have anglicized it to say Jehovah. But they say it's, it's an unspeakable name. Unspeakable. And in Old Testament times, this name was only used as a written symbol, never spoken by the people in an audible voice. Why? Because of fear they might, they might mispronounce his name, and therefore they said if we mispronounce it, we'll take his name in vain. Now, I want you to know a lot of that is just superstition. Superstition. That's not the intent of this, of this commandment. And it, it led to all kinds of rabbinical superstitions in oath-taking. And we'll deal with oath-taking when we get to the commandment, thou shalt not lie. But for now, I want you to understand that instead of invoking God's name in an oath, and they might, they might mispronounce it, what they did is they substituted various words like heaven or, uh, or earth or Jerusalem or the king or the throne. They didn't want to say God's name. So they used words that were associated with God. That's just superstition. And you know what? That carries through even today. Orthodox Jewish people do not write out the name God, G-O-D. I have an Orthodox Jewish aunt who lives in Jerusalem. She wrote me a, a letter several years ago. And in that letter, she, when she mentioned God's name, she wrote G-D. Wouldn't put the O there because you'd be saying God's name. Now, I want you to know they do that out of fear. That's, that's religious superstition. That's not what this commandment is about. God is concerned that we use his name properly, not that we avoid saying it altogether. But the reason that Jewish people have such a fear, such a fear of taking his name in vain is because they understand that along with this commandment comes the severity of punishment for violating it. There is a specific penalty attached to the breaking of this commandment. You know that? And it's revealed in Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24, beginning in verse 11. Leviticus clarifies for us what happens to those who break these commandments. Leviticus 24 verse 11 says this, The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed. Well, let's go back to verse 10. Okay? It says, Now the son of an Israelite woman whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the sons of Israel, and the Israelites' woman and a man of Israel struggled with each other in the camp. So there must have been some kind of a fight. And the son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name and cursed. Why? He got frustrated. He probably got beat up. And so he took God's name in vain. He cursed. So they brought him to Moses. Now his mother's name was Shelemith, the daughter of Debra of the tribe of Dan. They put him in custody so that the command of the Lord might be made clear to him. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring the one who is cursed outside the camp and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head 
and let all the congregation stone him. You shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If anyone curses his God, then he will bear his sin. Moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. The alien as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. So what this tells us that in Old Testament times, anyone who took God's name in vain was put to death. Now, aren't you glad that we're not under the judicial aspect of the law? Otherwise, none of us would be alive. Not one person, including myself. Today, we don't, we don't punish people for taking God's name in vain. We're not under the civil laws. We're not under the, uh, uh, those judicial laws. However, we want to keep in mind that even though we don't punish people in any way when they take God's name in vain, that God does. If God was this severe in his judgment of blasphemers during Old Testament times, then certainly he won't be less severe in his ultimate judgment of those who take his name cheaply. Do you see that? If, that, if this was the way God handled it under the law, then what does that tell us about the way he will handle it when final judgment comes? What God did with blasphemers in Israel is what he will do in the final judgment to those who take his name in vain. He will punish them. The only difference is that final judgment won't simply involve physical death, but eternal death, which is hell itself. It's punishment forever and ever and ever being separated from the presence of the Lord. And you know what? All of us are guilty of taking God's name in vain. Every one of us has carelessly and irreverently used his name. I know I have, and I know we are all guilty at some point of taking his name in vain. This is a profound and a damning guilt. We deserve the punishments of hell. If you hadn't broken any other laws, you would still be deserving of hell for breaking this law. That's the bad news. We're all guilty. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has borne the guilt of every sin, even this sin on behalf of those who trust him. He has borne that guilt so that if you've already trusted him for salvation, then be thankful. Be thankful that he has paid for this sin and apply these truths to your, to your life so that from now on you honor his name and you make a conscientious effort to honor his name. But if you have not trusted him, understand this. The Bible says that the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That's the function of the Ten Commandments. They are to inform you and reveal to you that you are a wicked sinner and that there is no other hope apart from Jesus Christ. The law condemns you. The law says you have broken it, you have violated it, you are guilty, you are deserving of punishment, and the law's intent is to have you be slain by God in the sense that you realize, I have no hope, I have no answer, I, I, I am guilty. Even if from this point on in my life I could obey this commandment, what about all the times, the hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of times I've taken his name in vain? What are you going to do about that? You are a spiritual criminal of the worst magnitude. But the good news is, the law points us 
to one who has borne the guilt for sinners. And that's Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he was dying for our sins and dying for the sin of taking his name in vain. What a marvelous truth that is. So if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've never seen your need because you think you're good, but you're not good. You're a sinner. This law shows you how sinful you really are. And the gospel shows you how gracious and merciful God can be in Christ. Let's bow for prayer. If you have never turned to Christ to forgive you of your sins because you don't think you're a sinner, this commandment reveals that you are. I urge you to turn to him. I urge you to call upon Christ to save you from your sins. And, and I want you to know when we close the service, there'll be a leader up at the frontier. If you need to speak to somebody who maybe can explain privately and more articulately and more fully than I am able to do right now about trusting Christ for salvation, then I urge you to do that. And if you're a believer in Christ, but you have taken his name in vain, and who hasn't? then you need to repent and get things right with the Lord. Regardless of of which aspect of taking his name in vain you're guilty of, I'm going to give you a few moments to talk to the Lord and then we'll close. Father, what a penetrating commandment this is. And we have our souls, our hearts laid bare before you. For the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces us, Lord. It, it reveals things, and no sin is hidden from your sight. But this sin is, is even more obvious. It's obvious to others. Lord, for those who are deeply convicted of this, we bring before you our petition of forgiveness, and we know that there is forgiveness in Christ. We pray that you'll help us to speak reverently, to speak in a way that is so respectful of your majestic name. Lord, deliver us from the flippancy, the triviality of taking your name or your attributes. And we say things that we think are funny, but they're not funny to you. Lord, may we, may we have a seriousness in understanding that your name is to be hallowed. It is hallowed. Help us to treat it as hallowed. For those, Father, who have never never embrace Christ. May you open their hearts to the gospel as only you can. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The root of the problem in taking God's name in vain is a problem within the human heart. We simply fail to comprehend the fact that God is so great, mighty, and holy that every thought about Him must be reverent and sincere. He is our creator and sustainer, and without Him, we would instantly perish. Yet because our hearts are naturally in a state of rebellion against His rule and authority, we do not recognize Him for who He really is. The law of Moses stirred up reverence through fear, calling for the punishment of death for those who did not reverence God. And fear still plays a role today as we consider the fact that we will all stand in judgment someday before Almighty God. But there is another way that our hearts can be changed to have reverence for God, another way to experience His greatness, and that is to know Him in an intimate, personal relationship. As we experience the wonder of His love and the fulfilling satisfaction of His presence in our lives, we develop a new sense of reverence based upon the greatness of His character. If you have never accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the relationship that I just described is still a mystery to you. 
The Bible is very clear that the only way that we can experience God's love and grace is through Jesus Christ. We would love to tell you more about how you can have your heart transformed by God's amazing grace. Please give us a call. Our phone number is 727-239-0306. We'd like to take just a moment to thank each of you who recently have given to help cover the financial burden of producing and airing these verse-by-verse broadcasts. We have a passion to continue making this clear, biblical teaching available on the radio, but the fact is that it does cost money to do it. We simply could not sustain this ministry without the financial help of listeners like you, and we thank you very much. Also, a word of thanks is needed for those of you who faithfully remember verse by verse in your prayers. Thank you for your prayers. God is enabling Pastor Steve's messages to have life-changing effects in the lives of some of our listeners. We are truly grateful to you for your partnership with us in this work. Should Christian churches be meeting on Saturday instead of Sunday? Join us next time here on Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve begins to examine the truths of the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. If you're concerned about... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.